Welcome to Grumpy GDPR. My name is Ria, founder of No Ties Consulting. And my name is Milos Novovic. I'm an associate professor of law. And hello, everybody. Happy New Year, Grumpy New Year, happy holidays and everything. Hi there, Ria. How is it going? Happy New Year, everyone. Oh my gosh, it's so good to be back. I feel we haven't been grumpy for way too long. Yeah, well, I mean, we've, everybody is a bit grumpy during the holidays, I feel. <laughs> Maybe it might be just me. But I think that, yeah, it's been ages since we've done this. I really missed yeah. our podcast. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. So your year is off to a good start. It is. It's, you know, it's fantastic. It's, uh, I actually, we, um, uh, I had a speaking gig yesterday. Oh. So yeah, jumping straight into it. And it I loved it because it was the private and public sector, mostly the public sector with municipalities and uh, even the DPA, Data Tilsyna was there. And it was the organization coordinating all of the municipalities in Norway, KOAS for the Norwegians, who organized this uh, workshop. And it's all about education and children and privacy, information security, and also uh, making sure that, uh, what's it called, uh, the uh, WCAG for uh, making sure that, uh, you know, all the colors match and all of that. Good oh, stuff. But that's lovely. It's so nice to start off here with teaching uh, and just to talk to people and just to have that kind of interactions. And I think it's amazing. Yeah to actually connect with people that way and to share some knowledge. That sounds amazing. Um, yeah, kind and of... so many passionate people in one room. Everybody is concerned about uh, children's privacy, which is uh, super important, right? So um, very, very nice to be there. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, you know, it's so easy to, to get caught up in so many different things when talking about privacy, but there are vulnerable groups and obviously children, elderly, uh, I would say also uh, anybody, you know, employees, um, students are also, they fall squarely within that group. So yesterday I did the uh, first round of teaching for this year, you know, done with the exams, starting with teaching. And actually the course on commercial contracts has been moved from the second year to the first year. And at some point I just realized, my God, they come straight out of high school. You know, you yeah. tend to forget stuff like that. Uh, so education and sharing of knowledge important and something that we should definitely discuss today because there is a story behind that. And I think it might <laughs> finally be the time to tell people the story of how you and I met. Yay! Finally! Yes. It's, uh, you know, we have mentioned it uh, here and there and, and now uh, I think it's, uh, it's time to reveal the big it secret. Is. No, it's not a big secret, but <laughs> it is time to reveal the big secret. We have been kind of teasing with spoilers, trailers almost, I want to say. So <laughs> it's actually a very interesting thing because during Corona, uh, Corona times, it was rather difficult to teach. And obviously we've had mm -hmm. quite a few uh, discussions around that, both uh, at BI where I work and all the universities were kind of caught a bit off guard. Uh, obviously, it's an entirely different teaching method. And to me personally, it was especially difficult because I switched jobs, right? I worked with privacy um, in the private field, then moved into academia because I love teaching and interacting mm -hmm. with people. And then suddenly we have, you know, once in a lifetime kind of, <laughs> hopefully, 
pandemic event. So long story short, obviously we start teaching, we start recording lectures, and because we can't really interact with students if everybody's camera is off, if everybody is, just has Zoom on the side and is doing whatever they want, uh, we tended to encourage people to have their camera on and to talk to each other. Mm. Which led to the national newspaper here publishing an article about that. Would you <laughs> mind taking it from there? <laughs> yeah, so uh, basically the Norwegian media, the Norwegian Broadcasting uh, Corporation, so they did an article on this exact topic. Uh, and the headline was that students are being forced... Uh, to have their camera on and it's an intrusion uh, in their privacy and uh, there was a whole discussion about consent and I was interviewed as uh, and uh, I think they even called me uh, the Norwegian word for uh, officer officer, personvern officer which is uh, hilarious but <laughs> I gave a few <laughs> comments there uh, not only because I run my own company working with privacy and data protection but also that I'm a guest, guest lecturer and uh, guest lecturer on these topics as well and you read that yeah. article yes I've read that article and then I wrote a very passive aggressive post on LinkedIn very grumpy very grumpy uh, so I said <laughs> And I have to quote from this one. The debate on whether professors can ask the students to turn on their camera rages on, and it's sad to see this framed as a GDPR issue. Let's get this out of the way. No, your professor's encouragement to turn on the camera is not a GDPR breach. Uh, sure, you will hear the conventional wisdom that the students feel quote-unquote pressured, uh, and their consent might not be freely given, but why would you use consent as a legal mm. basis anyway? The media frenzy around privacy is getting tiresome as the public debate has lost all nuance. GDPR equals consent, breach equals huge fine is the universal narrative, <laughs> sadly often echoed in the, quote, certified privacy pro environments. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't know you. I thought that you were one of those, oh, I am a consultant, a privacy consultant who is going to tell you how consent and fine are everything. So, um, oh so my yes, gosh. in all fairness, that article was very weirdly worded. Uh, yes, and it was. they did talk a lot about consent and freedom. Uh, so then you reached out to me and you said, Yeah, because well, I, I accidentally saw that post yeah. on LinkedIn because we weren't even connected. I had no, no idea who, who you were. And I just saw this super grumpy post <laughs> on LinkedIn and I immediately knew that you were talking about me. <laughs> or not necessarily me, but at least that article. And uh, it, it's, it's pretty funny, Milos, because um, before I might have gotten grumpy back at you. But uh, mm. I had uh, some sort of New Year's resolution that I was trying to give people the benefit of the doubt and trying to be more uh, generous, which is why <laughs> I reached out instead of uh, trying to, you know, uh, attack you in some way. For example, that my point was solely that if you rely on consent, it has to be freely given. So yeah. that was my point, Not, the, but it was angled mm. a bit, you know. No, of uh, course. 
different. And honestly, I think that it does lose some nuance in the media world and how that is presented. Yeah. Because if you do frame it as an issue of consent, then of course, it's going to get difficult. But I'm very happy for your New Year's resolution. And for the lack of grumpiness in that moment, uh, because <laughs> we otherwise would not have, we would not have met outright, or it would have been much more difficult. So yeah. I think that that was uh, that that's our backstory. And it sounds to me like we both agree that consent is not the optimal solution here. Yeah, it was not right. Uh, yeah, when it comes to video. But this is still hugely problematic because we see that discussed at schools. We see that actually like just leaving the whole uh, children aspect, which is specific in its own aside. We see that still at uh, where, you know, at universities and we see the discussion. Should we be recording lectures? My point is, you know, I always tell my students, I will try to record all the lectures. You're all adults. It will help you practice before the mm -hmm. exam and if you don't want to be here, I don't want you here, honestly, you know. So mm -hmm. there is, as in, there are many methods to learn. This is a helpful tool to help you learn. So uh, I do not think that it would be very wise to go with consent forms all around. What's your take on it? I'm slightly conflicted because I think, <clears throat> you know, the famous answer, it depends on the context. And... Um, it's. I think it can be done in a much smoother way today than when the pandemic hit, when we didn't have uh, all the tools. The tools weren't as good. For example, uh, you can you can compare it directly to a classroom situation uh, when you not necessarily record, but people have their camera on. So let's just focus on that for a, yep. for a minute. So because in a classroom setting, the other students they're not ogling the other students. They're not looking intensely at uh, one of the others, right? That would be really mm. weird. But in a digital environment, it's easy for students to feel that at least that other students are looking at them mm. instead of the teacher. And a really simple way to mitigate that is to use a webinar mode where the teacher sees all of the students, but the students only see the teacher. Right. And now we have the blurred background, which ensures that uh, the, you know, there's no privacy intrusion. There was a lot of discussion in the media at that point that uh, the students and, and everybody could see how terrible your home was, that not uh, only that it was you know, out of order, but you could mm. see other family members, etc. So I think a lot of those things are gone pretty much mm. today. So... It if you use webinar mode, I think that would really solve uh, a lot of these issues. Right. It is definitely a very complex topic. And I definitely see that the technological progress has been important there. At the same time, uh, it was also very important that the students could see each other in smaller groups, because I think that 90% of my teaching ends up being kind of case based, because it would be ridiculous to stand there and talk for two hours about this is what consent is, without kind mm -hmm. of giving them small cases and allowing them to actually interact with each other. So we would have like breakout rooms and things like that. So I think yeah. it's, uh, there is a balance to be struck there. Definitely. And I think in general, um, I think there is nothing inherently problematic about encouraging people to interact in certain ways. Now, the problem mm. is the tools with which we interact. Um, we often don't have access to them. Even the best and best equipped universities can't really find something that fits each course. 
there are different interaction methods and honestly there are so many platforms which offer great functionality that even I sometimes get tempted to just say you know what there is this quiz platform here is a code just join it it's fun it's interactive it's playful it gives you feedback immediately so there is also this temptation to resort to third-party tools yeah, and I am well familiar with that because uh, my last job before I started my own business was to implement a new learning management system at a university college for 10,000 students and about 500 employees. So it was a huge uh, undertaking. And one of the things that was so clear when we did our information meetings uh, when we started and kicked off the project was that a lot of the teachers had so many great ideas to exciting new and uh, cool tools and app that they wanted to use. And even once uh, a person stood up and uh, was really super grumpy because I had said that, no, you are not getting any of the new Uh, tools to play with before we have actually launched the core platform itself. All of the integrations and everything uh, would have to wait. And Mm. they were really enraged because they wanted to use uh, this uh, new cool tool. But one part was like the project management of it and ensuring that the core platform got implemented properly. But the other aspect, of course, is privacy and data protection, the security. You have to do your due diligence. You can't just plug and play any random cool new app that you want to use, uh, regardless uh, of uh, you thinking that it's super necessary for your teaching. No, definitely, definitely. Honestly, as I've said uh, from my personal level, I think we're going to get into this in another episode, but I definitely see the temptation to jump in and just say, this has to be used, like this is so useful to me when teaching. But uh, LMS, learning management systems, kind of, uh, let's just explain to people, like basically this is where you interact with students, these are the forums, this is where you upload presentations for them, where you uh, follow up their progress, and there can be a ton of analytics there. So that is one of the aspects to consider. And I think that that is another issue which has been quite heavily discussed. Uh, Is this something that we actually want in place? To me, it is hugely useful to be able to see if I upload a presentation, how many students have actually downloaded that presentation and opened it for example, because then I know, okay, these are the topics which nobody has read about. So I can be grumpy about that in class and say, I will start lecturing again. And this is a threat uh, (laughs) unless you actually go through these materials. So uh, yes, lots of analytics behind that as well. But let me just challenge you a bit on that, because Mm -hmm. how do you know that somebody downloading and or opening something says something about them having read it? It doesn't, but not even downloading does say. Yeah, it does. But, uh, you know, I, I this is where I'm, I'm conflicted, as I mentioned earlier, because before, uh, in the good old days, we had uh, homework. And if you, if you can compare it to the old times, that would mean that you would stand behind me, peeking over my shoulder and, and looking at me opening the book. Like is how that's where I want to challenge learning analytics and you're shaking your head, but I'm going to I'm going to just continue on that for a bit because uh, it's um, I'm just concerned that we we trust these learning analytics too much. And and I want to challenge how useful are they 
actually how useful are they compared to what we used to do so first no your metaphor is uh, or sorry simile i guess mm -hmm. uh, is not on point because it's not like peeking and seeing has somebody turned in their homework it would be more like I guess, uh, no, I'm wrong. I was about to say counting the number of homeworks. No, uh, you see how many people take handouts from your desk. Like you print out a presentation, put it on your desk, and you see how many people come up to take it. So to me, it's just yeah. a nice type of statistic. And uh, now we've tried actually mitigating a part of those concerns by making it possible to post for students to post questions and comments quote-unquote anonymously, uh, to me, this is a step back to an extent, because a part of uh, being a student is also a part of learning how to interact with others. And uh, if people are shy to say anything in the class and you get just a silent classroom because there are 150 people and nobody wants to sound stupid, what you end up doing is you make a parallel uh, Zoom slash Teams slash whichever kind of room and you make it possible for them to post questions there or on an anonymous forum that you only get to see. And to me that is, is it privacy friendly? Yes. But is it damaging to education? Yes. You need to learn to say what you mean. Yeah, I don't see how that's, you know, uh, that necessitates that type of analytics that you used as your example, um, that somebody downloaded or opened something, because in, in my mind, that's irrelevant. I would rather, uh, if you're looking to get people to speak up in class, I would think of other ways, probably. But let me give you an example that I just thought of since you, you mentioned this. And um, I shared with you some screenshots from uh, various Facebook groups where uh, teacher Facebook groups that I used in my uh, in um, in my presentation yesterday. And there was this one uh, new startup that had this amazing, cool tool to help engage students and get them to speak upright. And then you had 718 comments there. I think about half was from that company themselves. But I went through about 300 of uh, the others. And only two of those comments raised the issues of privacy and security. But the, the interesting or concerning thing here is that the, the most common response was, yes, sign me up. I, I want to join. And this is super interesting. And you had all these hundreds of teachers uh, signing up for this free app, uh, getting a free user account, starting to input uh, student data. So I, I think there's we're, we're too quick to jump to tools and analytics to try to encourage more, you know, better teaching and more student success, whereas maybe the, the solution lies somewhere else. It depends again. I would say that the temptation for me personally is always there. Um, again, nothing that any employer could prevent. When I see a tool which could actively help, uh, you know, Paying myself for a really cool uh, app and doing a quick assessment in my head. Okay, what do they get? They get IP addresses. Everybody here is connected to the same Wi-Fi. It's one-time join code. This is fine. Uh, the problem is most people don't think about that. So if students need to put in their name, if they need to put in other type of 
things, then obviously you need to jump through many hoops. But I can see, and I hope that most people can relate, I can totally relate to the feeling of, yes, let me use this thing which is very useful for me today. And it's sad, but it's the reality of it. And I think in workplace as well, lots of people will just download stuff and start using it. Yeah, the famous shadow IT. And I think that's really unfortunate. I don't think anybody at any organization or company should uh, start using their own apps or tools um, without them having gone through the, the right uh, process and the right due diligence. But look, going back to this learning analytics, so one thing is to see like how many people downloaded and did they open or not. But what do you think about other types of analytics? For example... Uh, monitoring how uh, students, their progress, for example, or let me read actually something that I found from one major LMS vendor. They say that without face-to-face interaction, it can be difficult to know if students are engaged and on track to achieve targeted academic outcomes. Uh, This platform delivers analytics and reporting that let you understand their activity, interactions, and a whole lot more. (laughs) Um, And then the best one, track how your students are engaging with assignments, videos, third party apps and more. And this is where I thought like, okay, this is how is this different from standing behind them and peeking over their shoulders? Because we didn't used to do that. And is our success with student learning significantly better today because we are looking at their every move? Well, honestly, I still, I'm still going to argue yes here. It depends on how invasive those analytics are. But at the end of the day, I think if I post a video, it is important to me to see which parts of the video the students skipped over, for example, so that I can make a better one next year, or to see which content they engage with the most, or to see how often they post and interact with each other in small groups. Uh, do we end up we need to change the size of the groups in the future. So there are analytics and then there are analytics, right? It it boils down to, is this actually useful in a particular situation? And uh, the problem would be, I think, that there is lots of data which is probably never used and that there is little training as to how to properly, uh, how how to use it outright. Because there are many mm-hmm. features I've never heard about, which are super useful. But I don't so, know what, uh, yeah, what's your take? Yeah, so I have a, a one example uh, that I actually played in my presentation yesterday. And the person who said this was actually in the room. That's Finn Mirsta, who we know from the Consumer Council, you know, our dear friend. And his example, when he presented this um, uh, last year on this uh, topic, was that uh, a father came to him one day and said that he ha- his 15-year-old daughter was really, really stressed out. And he was like, what's going on? What's going on? And she said, well, I have this video that I have to watch as part of my homework, but I, I don't understand it and I don't want to see it more times because the teacher will think I'm stupid. That is poor teaching and that is a very unfortunate situation. But why is that poor teaching? That's that's analytics, oh. right? That's analytics yeah, that of the analytics. video to see how effective it is. I think 
because I think that one of the most important thing to tell students is that they can never be stupid. You are the only one who can be stupid. And that is something I always say. Uh, but but we don't think yeah, about that when we use analytics, that right. right? That is right. That is right. Um, then again, how do you fix a situation like that? I really want to challenge the effect of learning analytics or any type of analytics. Like how useful are they really, truly and are we looking at the wrong things? For example, there's a huge debate between in the media now, uh, you know, all the parents complaining about uh, the screens and the use of iPads and everything. And then you have, um, is the debate really whether kids are watching the screens too much? Or have you just moved text from the physical world to a digital, digital interface? Uh, is that problematic in itself or is it the way we teach kids? For example, why aren't more kids physical active, for example? Mm. Shouldn't that contribute to better learning to have kids running around and playing more than uh, than they do today? So, I, you know, I just want to, I'm going out on a tangent here, but I, I really don't think that analytics uh, are as useful as they're uh, held to be. That is my, I will take that as a personal challenge and I will write down all the ways in which <laughs> I find analytics to be useful in my classes. And I think that everything we've said today can be extended and we can take that up another time about workplace analytics. How useful is it for your employer or for you even to find out in how many meetings you've been and so forth and so forth. But I think enough about analytics and uh, surveillance and videos and everything. <laughs> Uh, I think that it was wonderful to share the story of how we've met, even though it was yeah. through a topic like this. And I wish once again to wish everybody an amazing new year and uh, some time to catch up with all the decisions from November, December, October, which I will have to do myself. And you know where to go for that. <laughs> yes, exactly. So DPR Hub can be highly recommended and uh -huh. you have been putting a lot of work in. Yeah, it's been uh, lots of fun, but you know, I do love reading my rulings and decisions. And to wrap up for today, uh, why don't we do a uh, LinkedIn post when we publish this ne next week? And I would love for people to give their opinion on learning analytics. Like, do is it useful? How is it useful? Uh, am I missing something really crucial here? Or is Milos missing something crucial here? Yes, definitely. And do remember, you know what, I'm going to ignore our friendship <laughs> and I will use the quote unquote certified privacy pro environment to deal with you. <laughs> Bring it on. Yes. Take care, everybody. Have a wonderful week. Take care. Bye bye. Okay.